Hello everyone and welcome back to Marveling with May. I'm May, your friendly neighborhood guide to the MCU, and today we are talking about the Disney Plus limited series, WandaVision. Yes, it has been a couple of months since WandaVision came to an amazing conclusion, but we haven't talked about it yet on the podcast. So, today will be a deep dive into the show and everything that I love about it. So, without further ado, let's get started. Quick spoiler warning for anyone who has not yet finished WandaVision. This episode will be going very in-depth on every single episode in this series, so make sure you watch the show first because there are a ton of twists and turns that I promise you do not want to miss. So, I will be right here when you are ready. Go ahead and watch WandaVision and come right back. I know I already said before we get started in my spoiler warning, but again, before we get started, I want to give a quick thank you to everyone who's returning back to the podcast week after week, who's really enjoying it, who is spending their time listening to my breakdowns of the MCU. I really do appreciate it. When I first started this podcast, I genuinely did not think anyone would listen to it. It was more of a personal enjoyment thing, but it is so incredible that I get to share this with a larger community of people now. And again, I'm just so grateful for that opportunity and for the fact that you keep coming back. That is incredible. I do have a favor to ask, a very small favor, and if you did it, I would be so thankful. But just if you are on Apple Podcasts, or even if you're on Spotify, and you have some way of getting to Apple Podcasts, I really ask that you leave a review for Marveling With May. This really just helps get the podcast out there into a larger community of people, and just helps this little community expand towards what it is now. Again, If you don't do this, I still love you and I still love having you as part of my audience. But if you feel so inclined, go ahead and leave a review. I promise you it will do so much for the podcast. Thanks, guys. WandaVision. This show, this property in the MCU, very well may be my favorite of all time. In fact, it probably is my favorite of all time. For anyone who knows me and knows about my passion for Marvel, you will know that WandaVision was such an incredible show for me. I talk about it all the time. Like, unnecessarily, I talk about it to anyone who will listen. But it's just because the show was so incredible. And I want to talk about that today because I really have not been able to share that with you guys yet. We've talked about Loki and we've talked about Black Widow and a couple of past MCU properties here and there just when I'm referencing something from the past, but WandaVision is one of those shows that is just so special to me. I feel like I need to share that with this audience and really give you my thoughts on why I feel that way and why maybe you should feel that way too. So let's talk about WandaVision. The first thing that I want to talk about is this show conceptually, because really this is the first time in my eyes that Marvel has pushed the envelope. And I don't, obviously, they have pushed the envelope in other ways. You know, going from something like Iron Man into a full 23 movie franchise, that's incredible. That is revolutionary and that is so innovative. And that's why I love the MCU. But within the MCU itself, WandaVision just broke the rules. The entire concept of this show being a show within a show, it's, it's so trippy and meta, 
but in the best way possible. And one of the things that I just love about WandaVision is its main theme. If we watch WandaVision, the main theme that we get by the end is grief and how we deal with it, how we choose to deal with it, who we choose to deal with it with, and how it affects us when we are experiencing grief. And in the world right now, that is something we so desperately need. WandaVision came out in January of 2021, which means that we had been in the pandemic for over six months by that point. And so many people had experienced loss on such a profound level. And whether Marvel intended to or not, they gave people an avenue for seeing themselves and seeing their grief through the perspective of superheroes. And to me, it really humanized who superheroes were. Obviously, in the past, we've seen people be upset about the loss of someone around them, right? All of the superheroes have experienced that at one point or another. And for a lot of them, it was the catalyst for them becoming superheroes. But we had never seen all of them deal with it in a real and genuine way. When we go through grief, when humans go through grief, it doesn't just take a two-minute monologue of us mourning and then after that we're fine, right? Like, it is a long, drawn-out process that, for most of us, always leaves a hole somewhere in our lives, right? Like, we we get over grief in some ways, but it's always going to be there in the back of our minds and just in certain experiences that we have throughout life. And this show really captured that in my eyes, more so than anything we'd ever seen from the MCU. And the reason I appreciate that so much, and why I think it's so important, is because so often, today especially, we put this pressure on people not to show that vulnerability, and not to allow themselves to grieve around other people. We have such a pressure on being the best at everything, excelling at everything that we do, and never being vulnerable to the people around us. And that forces a lot of people to bottle up a lot of emotions, which is not a very healthy thing. And in this show, we saw how detrimental it can be to bottle up those emotions. We saw that profoundly in Wanda, and we literally saw her explode, in a sense, after holding all of that in herself for so long. And that is what can happen to all of us. Obviously, we're not going to create a false reality after our emotions have been bottled up, but all of us will have that breaking point at some point in our lives. And this show, on a figurative level and literal level, shows us why we need to have that vulnerability and why we need to get over grief. And again, with the COVID-19 pandemic, all of us were facing that and all of us in some form or another had experienced that grief. And seeing that exemplified on the big screen or on our TV screens at home, as it was not in theaters, really just gave us a way to recognize, or at least gave me, a way to recognize why that grieving process is so important. And it was just so perfect. Marvel did it in such a good way where it didn't feel like it was a cliche. Obviously, there were points in the movie that were a cliche. All of the sitcoms were cliches, but that was intentional. But Marvel did it in a really new and fresh way that we hadn't really seen before, at least in mainstream media. A lot of the indie films and all of that do a great job of talking about those emotions and everything, but most of the time in mainstream media, we don't see those topics really dealt with, and especially dealt with in a superhero movie. At least in my memory, we've never really seen a superhero movie dive that deep 
into a very human emotion. And that's the other cool thing about WandaVision, is that Wanda is the most powerful Avenger in the MCU. I feel confident saying that now. Uh, I think anyone that you ask would agree. She is the most powerful Avenger in the MCU. And yet she's dealing with something so human. It's so natural for all of us to feel grief. And it really just humanizes the heroes that we know and love. And at least in some form, it destigmatizes the conversations around grief and the conversations about prioritizing our mental health. And that's a whole nother big long discussion that we could go into. But just at the very surface, at least for some people, for the kids who are watching the show, they see someone that they look up to dealing with this and dealing with this in a very vulnerable way. And they say, hey, when I grow up subconsciously, when when they grow up subconsciously, they're going to think back to that and understand that it's okay to show that vulnerability. That is my hope. And maybe I'm taking this too far. Maybe I am interpreting it in a way that's a little too profound for what it was meant to be, but at least that was my impressions of it. And I think that it's really cool that Marvel was able to do that. So now that I have talked about the significance, the possible cultural significance of this show, a lot of the more deep, heavy stuff, Let's just talk about WandaVision as a show, as an MCU property. So I mentioned how it did something that's really different, and it talked about topics that were very different, but also just, in essence, this show was so different than anything we'd ever seen before, partially because it was a TV show. We have to keep in mind, TV shows in the MCU seem so so normal to us now because we've had them for about six months, but when this came out, it was revolutionary. The first time that we've ever had a Marvel limited series that was canon in the MCU. And I know all of you Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Daredevil fans, you're going to be sitting there like, wait a second, we had TV shows. I'm sorry, guys. I hate to admit it. I really do. Those are not canon. We cannot consider them canon. It, It makes me very sad to say because those shows are really good. But those are not yet canon. This show, however, was absolutely canon. And really, when I heard WandaVision announced, I wasn't too excited. It just seemed, the concept for the show just seemed a little too far out there. But then, I read, or I I learned about the House of M comics, which are a group of comics, I believe they were from the 80s, I could be wrong about that. Uh, It could have been like 80s, early 2000s, I would have to look it up, I'm not entirely sure. But it was a fantastic comic book run that focused primarily on Scarlet Witch. It kind of jumped around as far as who was the primary character, but it was primarily a Scarlet Witch story, and it was called House of M, and it really went into a ton of super weird plot lines. It was really just a strange comic book run, but it was so good, and it did such incredible things, and immediately after learning about House of M, I saw this as Marvel, as the MCU's attempt of making a House of M-like show or movie and that's really thought what I thought that's what I thought the premise of this show would be and it sort of wasn't it sort of wasn't and that's another thing I really enjoyed about it because going into this I thought it was going to be almost exactly like the house of m house of m plotline but they took a couple of concepts from house of m but they also intermixed it with very original and unique ideas that were really cool to see in the MCU beyond just that storyline. And that's something that the MCU is very good about in general, taking plot lines from the comics, 
but sort of switching them up, changing the continuity a little bit, and putting them into the MCU is a very continuous and much easier to understand than it is in the comics, because they're catering to a much larger audience now. And that was something I really enjoyed about this as well, was that it was a show that's about two very specific people, but I actually knew a ton of people, a lot of friends, who got into Marvel through WandaVision, because they hadn't seen Marvel movies before, or they maybe saw a couple, and then they went into WandaVision just because they heard so much hype about it, probably mostly for me if they were my friend, Um, but I was hyping it up so much that some of my friends were watching it, and this was the first Marvel property that they were seeing ever, and the great thing about WandaVision is that they understood it. With a little bit of background, they could fully grasp the concept of WandaVision, even if they didn't catch on to all the little tiny Easter eggs or the small details that big Marvel fans would catch on to. They knew the general plotline and they could appreciate it for its great movie or storytelling abilities. This was a show that you didn't need to have a ton of Marvel experience to go into. In other words, it wasn't Endgame. I know we all loved Endgame. I loved Endgame so much. I loved Infinity War, two incredible movies. But if you were a new fan trying to watch those two movies, I mean, it was, it was horrible. I had a friend who watched Endgame with me uh, very close to opening night, and he had never seen another Marvel movie. He had seen clips from other Marvel movies, but never a full Marvel movie. And the amount of confusion that he had at the end of Endgame, I felt bad for him. I mean, it was terrible. Imagine, for you non-MCU fans, imagine going into a movie like that, having never, having zero context. I mean, that's insane. That is a big ask. And I feel like with Phase 4, what Marvel is doing is trying to make everything a lot more accessible for people. They're kind of doing what... Marvel Comics did with the Ultimates series, which was basically a revamp of a lot of their characters, where they told origin origin stories from the very beginning, um, but it was in the 2000s. So it was after the Marvel Comics had been around for a long time, but they were sort of doing a revamp of all the Marvel Comics to bring in a new generation of readers, which was really cool. And I feel like that's what Phase 4 has been so far, and especially what WandaVision started. Because with the amount of hype that this show was getting, a lot of new people were coming into the MCU fandom. But the cool thing about WandaVision is that it's a very easy concept to understand. And even Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Again, there were tiny Easter eggs and details that you certainly would not catch if you were not a Marvel fan. But the concept of that show was super easy to grasp. And the nice thing is that if you were a Marvel fan coming into WandaVision and you watched that, and you really got hooked on the MCU, then you had time to go back and rewatch things before we got to Loki, which, again, if you weren't a Marvel fan for Loki, you would have been very lost. But with that new era of fans, they had a long time until Loki where they could prepare themselves for that movie or for that show if they so chose. If they so chose to. Is that a phrase? I don't know. If they so choose is a phase. Is a phrase. If they chose. I don't know. Anyways. WandaVision really was that catalyst for a lot of people entering the MCU fandom, and I think that that's so cool. And honestly, they couldn't have picked a better duo to do it with. The cool thing about Wanda and Vision is they're just so likable together. You know, if you were a new fan coming into this, and you saw them together on screen, they just have such a cute relationship. And it's very sad by the end, because Vision is gone and all of that, 
But this show was just fun, I think mostly because of those two, and especially Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany have just done an incredible job with these two characters and giving them such great chemistry and just making audiences fall in love with the two of them. And that's what really worked for this show. Beyond just the concept, because the concept was really cool, and you could have gone very far with just the concept of the show and terrible characters, but the great thing is that this show had great characters and great concepts and great plot lines and great execution all rolled into one, and that is why it is nominated for 23 Emmys, because it's just so good. Now, I, I can't tell if you already have sensed my fascination with WandaVision, but I believe I've watched the show up to five times now um, in, in full, and that's not counting the episodes that I just occasionally go back to. Probably about five times I've watched the show, and it does not get old. I really thought it would, because for a lot of Marvel movies, I'll watch them twice, and then I'll get bored of them, and that's what I thought was going to happen with WandaVision, but it did not, because the show is just so fun, beyond the plot, because the plot twists obviously get spoiled for you, and then it's not as fun leading up to those plot twists, but just the show in general is so fun, like, it's just an enjoyable show, but it also deals with a ton of these topics, and that's a really cool thing about the sitcom sitcom concept. That's hard to say. The sitcom concept. What's really cool about that is the first three episodes. I guess the fourth one's really where we start to see things as they are. So I'll say the first three episodes, it's just really a fun show with two characters that we love having a good time, and that's really enjoyable to watch. And then from the fourth episode on, It gets a little bit more intense, a little bit action-packed, and that's where more of the normal Marvel formula for movies comes in. That's where you have your hero, hero has the moment with the villain, big ending finale that's just a lot of fighting, and then ending. And that's your basic Marvel formula. But that really only took hold in, like, the fourth or fifth episode onward. So the rest of the show, from, like, the first to... The third episode was just a really fun and exciting journey with these two characters that we really love. And I thought it was so cool, the decades thing as well. And if you watch the um, Marvel behind the scenes that they released on Disney+, Plus, they talk about how those first episodes were filmed in front of live studio audiences, which was so fun. And just how they went about the process of all of these different episodes. And I really thought that that was so cool, just how they not only made the appearance go along with the decades, but also the filming process and the production process. They did that in the decades as well, which was just an incredible concept and really cool once you know that. So I want to talk a little bit more about specific episodes, specific moments in this show that were really important to the MCU as a whole or that I just really liked. So I'll start with my favorite episode. And that is a little bit difficult, because when I say that I loved the entirety of this show, I actually mean I loved the entirety of this show. Every episode had its thing that makes it so fun. There's really no episode that's just terrible. They're all so fun, and and there wasn't a moment where I felt bored. But if I had to choose my absolute favorite episode, I think I would have to go with Breaking the Fourth Wall. That episode, as a concept was just amazing. 
And I think the reason that it really worked were the actors in this episode. You had Katherine Hahn, who is a sitcom god, basically. Uh, she was in Parks and Rec, which is another one of my favorite shows. And she was a recurring character, but wasn't really one of the main characters. But was so good in that show, and that was a sort of breaking the fourth wall type concept, for those of you who haven't seen it. And so in this episode, Katherine Hahn really shined through. And also, Wanda. I mean, Wanda in this episode was great. Her world was quite literally falling apart around her, and yet you saw like these little quips in there that were so fun. And there was a ton of action in this episode as well, but not so much so that it wasn't fun. It just, I think it was the perfect balance, because we were still in the decades, we were still doing the whole sitcom thing, but we were getting into the ending, where it was a lot more of the superhero action stuff. It was just really the perfect mix of both sides of this show, um, mixed into one. It was like that breaking point, where you go on, and it's just all the superhero action stuff, but all the stuff that came before it was a lot of the fun sitcom stuff. Hopefully that makes sense. But, breaking the fourth wall... This episode was so good as well because at the very end, we got our fantastic musical number from Agatha. Uh, it's been Agatha all along. Absolutely iconic moment. I think it might be my favorite moment ever in the MCU. That might be taking a little bit far, uh, but one of my favorite moments ever in the MCU. It was so well done and something that they did really well with this as well. If you were a Marvel Comics fan, or if you had done any research really whatsoever going into this show, you kind of knew that Agnes was Agatha Harkness. Like, that was one of the first theories that I think anyone ever thought of. And pretty much everyone was expecting it. All of the hardcore Marvel fans were expecting it. Including myself. But the great thing about this reveal is that I still loved it. Like, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I still was shocked. Not because of the reveal, but because of how they did the reveal. That song was so clever, and it really doesn't... It shouldn't work. Like, in the grand context of the show, it, it shouldn't work. Like, no show really does that. <laughs> like, it, it was funny, but it was also serious. It was that moment... Like, if I'm comparing it to Endgame, the Agatha All Along song was like when Thanos brings his army in after the Avengers compound blows up. Like when Thanos' army is all behind him and everyone's getting ready to fight and you see his army and you're just like, okay, there's no way we're winning. It's that sense of helplessness right before the hero has their big moment and is ready to go fight. That was the Agatha all along moment. So it was this moment where the audience feels so helpless because what is our hero going to do? What is Wanda going to do in this situation? The entire time she's been used basically as a puppet by this witch that we know is super powerful. It's a moment where we should feel so helpless, but it's also hilarious and so fun and such a cool moment conceptually in the show. And so you're sitting there and you're like having fun because you love Agatha as a character and you love how funny she is and you love how comedic she is. So you're like, oh my gosh, it's Agatha. I love Agatha. But then you're like, wait, but Agatha is, is basically torturing Wanda and we love Wanda too, but you also still love Agatha. And so you're all conflicted about who do I not like in this moment? Like who's the villain here? And it's so obviously Agatha. But you don't want to make her the villain because of how fun she's been throughout the rest of the show. 
Do you see what I'm saying here? Like, it, it's such a conflicting moment in the audience's eyes, but that's what makes it so perfect. You're sitting there by the end credits of this, of this episode. You're sitting there and you're like, man, there is no way that we are getting out of this alive. Like, there's no way that Wanda could defeat Agatha. But you're also like, wow, I really love Agatha. <laughs> and it's just a funny little conflict that's going on in your head. And I really haven't seen another Marvel movie do it quite that well. Obviously, we've had likable characters in the past or likable villains. Um, I think of like Killmonger was such a likable villain because of his his fight was right. And, you know, like we supported what he wanted to be doing. We just didn't support the way that he was doing it. And so we really felt empathetic towards Killmonger. But we didn't like him while he was fighting our hero. But somehow in WandaVision, we liked Agatha as she was fighting our hero because of the way that this show set her up. From the beginning, Agatha was always very suspicious, but we liked her because she was a friend to Wanda. And even when it's revealed that she's not a friend, she's still such a multidimensional character, and it's still sort of sitcom-y in the way that it doesn't seem like anything could go wrong or any consequences could be had for Wanda. And so you're still kind of going along with Agatha, even though you know she's not really good and we shouldn't support her. But somehow, just the way that the show set, set up the character, we still sort of like her. It's just a really cool concept that Marvel was able to do, and it really takes root in this episode. And that's why I think I love it so much. We also have a fantastic moment between Monica and Wanda that was just so good and so perfectly summarized those two characters and why we love them so much. It just perfectly showed why we love Monica so much and also why Wanda was a little bit in the wrong throughout this show. And I'm careful saying that because we can't really blame her necessarily, but it's that moment where I think Wanda and the audience start to see why maybe we need to do a little bit of self-reflection because maybe we haven't been the good guy in this show. And having that moment with Monica is Wanda's moment of sort of seeing through that. And she's quickly picked up by Agatha, who kind of makes her forget about all of that. But it's still in the back of her head, like, maybe I am doing something wrong. And that's what leads us into our, uh, right before the season finale, and then our season finale when she really starts to see why she was at fault. And this was the moment that started it all. But also, Monica coming up to Wanda in this moment, Monica never gave up on Wanda. Everyone else did, including all of the people from S.W.O.R.D., but Monica didn't give up on Wanda. She saw Wanda's faults, and she understood why Wanda was wrong, but Monica was willing to help and willing to be a friend to Wanda, not someone who was trying to get her out of the situation or arrest her or anything like that. She wanted to be an ally to Wanda. And that is why her character is so important and so special in this show, and why I'm so excited to see her going forward. Monica, to me, is almost like the new Captain America. And that is a bold statement. I know we barely even met Monica in this show. But I really do see her as the moral compass of the Avengers going forward. And I do see her becoming an Avenger. But 
There's Captain Marvel, who's arguably one of the more powerful Avengers. But I don't really see her as that moral good compass, right? Like, I, I don't see her as being that. And then there's Wanda, and she's obviously very powerful, and her heart is in the right place, but just because of her power and the nature of those powers, it does not look like she's going down the very morally righteous road. Then there's Doctor Strange, but he's a little bit too rigid in his morality. Like, he's not, he's not the best in guiding others towards being moral. And then there's Sam, and he really is supposed to be that replacement for Captain America, and he very well could be. And I definitely see him taking up that role a little bit. But Monica is just such a morally good character, and we can see that not only is her heart in the right place, but she's also a great leader and a great ally to people, which is what Cap was. So I think that going forward, she needs to take on more of a role in the MCU, whether it be as an intergalactic character leading an intergalactic team, which would be super cool, or as an Avenger leading the Avengers. I wouldn't mind seeing that as well. I mean, that would be super cool. So this moment for me really just cemented Monica as a character that we're going to see a lot more of and is going to be the guide for a lot of other characters. I think that that's super cool. But back to Wanda. So again, in this episode, Wanda is sort of at her lowest point. Her children have been taken from her and she really has no way of going forward. And by the end of this episode, again, we have this sense of helplessness for what's going to happen next. And of course, Wanda figures out a way and we're somewhat fine by the end. We're not entirely fine. Um, it's still a very sad ending, but she sort of gets over that grief in the process. And that's where I want to talk about the episode that comes after Breaking the Fourth Wall, which is previously on. And this episode explores Wanda's past and the past events that have really shaped her into who she is now. And obviously, this journey back into Wanda's past is incredibly traumatic for her. It's going through all of the events that caused so much trauma in her life. But in a way, it's almost therapeutic, and I think that it gives her a lot of clarity as she comes out of that moment with Agatha, or out of that, you know, time thing with Agatha. By the end of this episode, I think that she has a clear idea going forward of what she needs to do, and how she needs to do it, and how she sort of needs to rectify this situation. And so the previously on episode was so important as well. And it was almost like forced therapy because Agatha needed to sort of get her to open up about these things, but didn't really have the best reasons for trying to get her to open up. So I don't really know how to feel about Agatha's whole role in this. But overall, taking away Agatha from the equation completely, these moments of going back to her past really helped in my eyes, it really helped Wanda see more clarity for the future and what she needed to do and why what she was doing was maybe more wrong than she initially thought that it was. So I think this episode was so important as well. And then obviously the finale was so fun. I could talk about that for a very long time. I will not talk about that for a very long time in this episode. But after we've gone from my favorite episode onto the finale. I want to go back to the original episodes. So we're going to talk about episode one through three. And these episodes, I believe they all came out at the same time, actually, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they all came out 
at the same time on Disney Plus. And they were just a lot of fun. But they were also super weird. <laughs> like, in these episodes, it was like that Twilight Zone vibes. I don't If you've watched The Twilight Zone, it's a really good show. You should watch it. Um, but it was a show that really was about supernatural things. Um, yeah, supernatural things. It was like a horror show, but it went into a lot of different pathways within horror. So, Twilight Zone. But one thing that they did in the Twilight Zone is it would present a very normal situation, but there would be like one thing wrong or a couple things wrong and you couldn't quite place it, but you knew it was there and it just didn't feel right. And that is something they did perfectly in the first three episodes. While we're following Wanda and Vision as they have this kind of normal suburban life, we watch them do normal things. <laughs> They're going and you know supporting the local elementary school they are having dinner with Vision's boss. These are very normal things that would happen in a normal sitcom. But everything is just slightly wrong. And again, we can't quite place it until it kind of builds up into a single moment that we can look at and say, oh, that's wrong. But everything that happens before, we can't really quite say exactly why it didn't feel right. But it just didn't feel right. And that is something that Marvel did so well with these first couple episodes. And it was a lot of foreshadowing for what we would see later on. And another thing that I really, really love is in, I believe it was that fourth episode. But in the fourth episode, they kind of flip it all around. And they show us what's happening from the outside perspective. And everything makes sense. And I love that. Because it gives us that gratification. It was about midway through this series. And we get that gratification of knowing what is all what's all going on and what's happening but we're still left with so many questions going into the next half of the series so we get a couple of questions answered and it's like this instant gratification but then we realize wait we still have all of these questions and we only have five episodes to answer them so those first four episodes especially the first three and how they set up the fourth really did such a great job of leading leaving audiences on edge without making it too overwhelming. And the reason they were able to do this, I think, is because they had nine episodes. I heard a lot of complaints from people saying that the first three episodes were so slow and they really didn't enjoy them, but I completely disagree because in the whole context of the show, they were the perfect introduction of giving us the idea of a conflict that was going to come without overwhelming us with that conflict initially. And I believe it's one of the best introductory parts of a show or movie that Marvel has ever done. And that was something that I was just so struck by in those first couple of episodes. And I think was really cool and something that we haven't really seen before. The other thing that we haven't really seen before are commercials. And these commercials, you guys, um, a wild ride to say the least. These commercials were also incredibly creepy. Uh, the most creepy, that weird commercial for, like, the yogurt. It was, like, on the island, and the kid was, like, slowly turning into a skeleton. That was weird. That one left me a little bit shocked um, when I first saw it. But the way that they use commercials throughout this show to reference parts of Wanda's life and future parts of Wanda's life, it was super, super cool. And again, if you weren't a Marvel fan going into this, I can see why a lot of people didn't really 
like the commercials because they didn't have the context for them. Like, I watched this with one of my friends, and he was saying, like, why do we have the commercials? Like, they're so boring. Like, they're just stupid commercials. But they had so many little Easter eggs, and it was so perfect. And the way that they did the Nexus commercial, incredible. So, this is where we deep dive into the comic books. Because if you've watched Loki, you have a little bit of a different idea of what Nexus means. But purely in the comic book sense, Nexus refers to the Nexus of all realities. And it's basically a portal into every different uh, multiverse, every different timeline in the multiverse. And the cool thing about Nexus as it relates to Wanda is the fact that in the comics, Nexus is what we call a Nexus, or Wanda is what we call a Nexus being. Now what's so special about that is that Wanda has the ability to travel through every single iteration of the universe, so every part of the multiverse. She can travel through all of them, and she remains consistent throughout all of them. So what exactly does that mean? Because that's a lot of words. So, we have someone like Captain America, who's not a Nexus being. Let's say in one multiverse, Captain America is the Captain America we know. Steve Rogers, works for S.H.I.E.L.D., is the patriotic guy that we all know and love. But in another multiverse, it could be Steve Rogers, Hydra agent, who is secretly trying to overthrow the world. And because of how multiverses adapt and change, that's possible because it's two different versions of Captain America. What's cool about Nexus beings is that they're consistent among all of them. So Wanda in one multiverse is the Wanda that we know and love, whose brother tragically died when fighting with the Avengers, and in the next multiverse, she's exactly the same. The Wanda that we know and love, whose brother died while fighting alongside the Avengers. So, Wanda has this deep connection to Nexus, and the word Nexus, and the way that they slipped that into the Nexus commercial was so cool, and it really had me theorizing about a lot of things. Now, with the context of Loki, the word Nexus means something a little bit different in the context of the MCU. But my hope is that they still introduce Wanda as a Nexus being, and I think that's where we're headed with the post credit scene of this show, where we see Wanda searching the multiverse for her two kids. So in this post credit scene, I'm not going to break down every single thing that happens here, but we are entering into this house and we see Wanda on the front porch and then we see Wanda in the opposite room as she is searching the multiverse for her two kids using the Darkhold which we've had limited experience with the Darkhold it was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. it was a it's going to be completely different though in the MCU unfortunately again (laughs) Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not canon Um, but the Darkhold is basically this magic book that causes all sorts of problems in the MCU But we are following this house, and inside the house we see Wanda, and she's doing something very similar to what Doctor Strange did in the Doctor Strange movie, where he's casting his, uh, an astral projection, I believe it's called, Um, but basically another version of himself that is studying while the second version of himself is doing normal tasks. And in Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange has to sleep while he is projecting this other version of himself. But what's cool about this is that Wanda is not sleeping. Wanda is living a normal life while her subconscious is learning about the Darkhold and searching the multiverse. 
Now, that's a huge deal because it means that Wanda, with very limited training, is even better than Doctor Strange at his own magic. That's huge. It just illustrates how powerful Wanda is. Not a huge plot point, but it is so cool that that is a, that is a thing and that is basically canon in the MCU. That's amazing. But we see Wanda and we see her reading the Darkhold and then we hear the voices of Billy and Tommy from some distant area. And the reason why I keep saying that she's searching the multiverse is because at this point, I firmly believe that she was searching the multiverse. When this first came out, I had a couple of questions because the multiverse didn't really exist yet in the MCU. But by the end of Loki, the multiverse exists and Wanda is searching it for Billy and Tommy. Now, what's really cool about this is that I think we could get to the nexus of all realities if Marvel chooses to go that direction. And that would just be a super cool concept because we could see an event where Wanda and possibly Doctor Strange are searching the multiverse, possibly in Multiverse of Madness. They're searching the multiverse for Billy and Tommy or maybe Wanda searching for Billy and Tommy and we see Doctor Strange have to stop her because of the implications that that could have on the multiverse as a whole. That is what I think it is setting up for Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. And that's why this show is so incredibly important to the future of the MCU. And again, I could talk for hours about this post credit scene and what it really means for the MCU going forward, but just what I will say now is that it was so incredibly amazing. Incredibly amazing, that's a fun phrase. It was so incredible to see this post credit scene and to see what Marvel is setting up for the future. Because that post credit scene is only half of it. We also saw Monica visited by a scroll, presumably to be taken to where Nick Fury is. So there's a whole nother side of this that's not supernatural and magic-y, that's just like space stuff, and that's gonna be the whole Monica thing. But this show just set up so much for the future and I'm so, so excited. Wanda as a character is so incredible and just one that I really think a lot more people are going to connect with coming out of this show. I think that that's super cool. But the other thing that I think is great about Wanda, and this is sort of the last point that I want to talk about, is the fact that she is neither a villain nor a hero. Because if we if we see her in Age of Ultron, she's a villain in the start of that movie. And we can't really blame her because she was sort of manipulated by Ultron, all that stuff. But then we see her become a sort of hero. But then we have the whole incident in Civil War where the general public probably doesn't see her as a hero anymore. And then the end of this, as she's leaving Westview, I and mean, we see all of the people in Westview with such hatred towards her, we can assume that she's not going to be a hero in the public eye going forward either, unless she has a huge reckoning where she's able to win back the public trust. So now, I think going forward, we're going to see Wanda as at least an anti-hero and possibly more of a villain. I think that's what Multiverse of Madness is going to really set up. And it's sort of unfortunate because... We love Wanda, and we know that the things that have been happening aren't really her fault, and things kind of, her circumstances are really quite terrible. But I think that Multiverse of Madness is really going to focus in on Wanda as a villain, and I think that that will be fascinating to see her powers 
used in that way or shown in that way because it's going to set up Wanda as a massive villain for Doctor Strange. The other thing that I think this could be setting up is not the Wanda that we know being a villain, but a Wanda from another universe. And this is actually something that happens in the comics. We have a couple of Wanda variants out there in the world that come to our universe and are villains, but they're just Wanda's from other multiverses where the circumstances were different and somehow she is a villain. So I think that that would be a super cool concept as well to see a variant of Wanda as a villain. The other thing that I think could be incredible, and I've talked about it at length, and I don't believe, I, I don't know, it could happen, it could not happen. If it did happen, I think it would be really cool, but it probably won't happen just based off what happened in Loki. But what if we had a full House of M event? And I'll explain what that means because a lot of people might not understand that. But in House of M, Wanda essentially creates a new reality. She reshapes reality in her own vision, uh, just like she did in this show where she reshaped Westview. But she does that to the entire world. And so now the differences that happen is that a lot of the superheroes who were superheroes at one time um, are no longer superheroes. It's a little bit confusing how that happens, but um, just know that a couple of the superheroes who used to be superheroes are no longer superheroes in House of M. And the reason that I think this could be a really cool concept if they did something similar where the Wanda that we know reshapes the world and makes it so that superheroes are no longer superheroes, I think that could be cool because it levels the playing field. And this is something that's very difficult about Phase 4 of Marvel, is that you have people who are now galactic. You have people like Captain Marvel and Monica and all of them who are going to be very intergalactic characters who are dealing a lot in space. Same thing with Guardians of the Galaxy, dealing in space. Then you have characters like Wanda and Doctor Strange and Loki who are dealing in the supernatural, right? Like the TVA realm, all of the supernatural magic things. And then you have characters like Black Widow and like Yelena who are very, very street level. And the hard thing about that is that you're now having to bring all of those characters together in some way in the same universe, which is very, very difficult, which is why I think an event like House of M, where we level the play playing field for every character, would be so cool. Because now every character is on the exact same power level as everyone else. And then that's your big Marvel event. That's your end game for whatever we're leading to in phase four. I think that could be super cool. And Wanda gaining these powers as a super as a Scarlet Witch is the perfect way to set that up. So those are my thoughts on WandaVision. I know I was a little bit all over the place in this one, but I just wanted to talk about the show because I wasn't able to before. Obviously the podcast did not exist when WandaVision came out. But I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have a little bit more appreciation for WandaVision if you did not before. Maybe go back and rewatch it because those second and third watches are so fun after you've seen it for the first time. So maybe go back and watch it. Again, I apologize for being a little bit all over the place with this one, but again, I really hope that you have a new appreciation for the show and maybe you heard something that you didn't think of before. And that is super cool if you did. 
really hope you guys enjoyed that long discussion about WandaVision. I want to talk a couple, about a couple of things before I say my goodbyes in this episode. So obviously, What If is the next Marvel property that is coming out, and I will be discussing that one as it comes out. I'm very excited for it. August 11th, it's going to be here, but I wanted to let you know that I will be taking a sort of mini break before we get there, just so that I can have renewed focus going into that show. I really want to give my full effort into that one, because I think it's going to be a blast. So... I will not see you guys for a couple of days, but when it does come out, again, August 11th, I will be back with you all, and I seriously cannot wait. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, if you feel so inclined, please go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton, and I really would appreciate it if you did go ahead on over there and leave a little rating. Thank you guys so much for listening to my thoughts, my feelings on WandaVision. This show was so incredible and really is one of my favorites, if not my favorite, and so I'm so happy I had the opportunity to share that with you guys. I know that this episode was a little bit longer, and I know that I was a little bit all over the place, but hopefully you gained a new appreciation for something or a new love for something that you hadn't noticed before. So, I will see you all in the next one.